Hey folks, Richard Tubb here. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Tub Talk. I'm really excited about today's episode. It's a topic that I am very, very passionate about, as you will see as we start to talk today. But I'm joined today by Brad Monday and Jason Kemsley of Uptime Solutions. How are you doing, boys? Hello. Doing well. Thank you very much for having us. My pleasure. Brad, I'll start with you. Where are you joining us from today? Obviously, we're in, as we record this, we're in the, um, the, the latter stages of the COVID-9 pandemic. So we're all, I guess, at home still at the moment. So no, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the office. Ah, uh, cool. So we've, we've started to bring um, a, f- a few of the team back to, to the office now. So obviously keeping social distance and uh, wiping down every surface you can find um, on regular occasions. But um, we've, uh, yeah, we're in Three Bridges, so uh, that's, that's where I'm from today. Excellent. Jason, where are you joining us from? I am calling you from the Sunshine Coast of Eastbourne, uh, <laughs> right on the south, uh, which the, the name is probably slightly misleading, but um, we'll get to that in another conversation. Um, uh, yeah, sat in uh, the home office, um, which has uh, the seat has been worn out in over the past three months, but... Uh, no, it's nice. I've got a nice view of the fields and uh, the downs out my window. So, Oh, that sounds lovely. So um, I know this has been a bit of a boom period uh, for both of you with the business at the moment. So, you know, the pandemic has um, has restricted uh, what a lot of MSPs can do, but MSPs have been heavily in demand and they've needed help. They've needed support. And so somebody like Uptime Solutions is there to provide that support. But Brad, if I can turn to you, how would you describe what Uptime do and how would you describe the business for people who have not heard of you before? Okay. Um, so Uptime Solutions uh, provides assistance in terms of help desk, uh, knock and sock. They're the three areas that we we, we play in, if you like. Uh, the business very much comes from that customer-centric um, focus. So I'm I'm a tech. That, that's my background. So everything we do comes from it's still very much that how do we deliver tech in the best possible way um, on behalf of our MSPs, um, more so than it does from the from the business side of things. I think that's that's where we started from. And, and so some of the uh, acronyms were very uh, fond of acronyms in the IT industry. So for people who are unfamiliar with NOC, SOC, explain to us what those mean. Okay, uh, so let's let's start with with NOC then. Um, Network Operations Center is is what the acronym stands for. So, uh, effectively, we're looking after the, the the back office, the non-customer facing things with with the NOC offering. Uh, so, we might be responding to RMM alerts. There'll be proactive work that we're doing just to make sure that that network and the infrastructure that you look after on behalf of your customers. Um, is, is, is up and operational and trying try to hit those things before they become customer affecting. Yeah. Jason, what is a SOC? <laughs> sure. Let's, let's carry on with the acronym. And it's, so, it's not to do with what's on the bottom of my feet. <laughs> uh, no, which I don't have, but let's ignore that. Um, uh, SOC is Security Operations Center. So um, same sort of uh, premise is, is taking away that headache is the is the idea so um, with a sock you may use a accumulation of tools or, or a particular set of tooling and the idea is to you know provide an all-encompassing security offering that means um, the MSP's end customer does not have to worry but also the MSP doesn't have to worry about responding to those alerts whether it's 3 a.m in the morning or, or 8 a.m in the morning it doesn't matter on the time yeah so Jason I'm going to turn to you on, on this so I 
lots of MSPs that I speak to are vaguely aware of NOC, SOC, outsourced help desk and, and things like that have not taken the plunge for a number of reasons perhaps we will cover. What type of MSPs do you find yourself working with in that time? Is there a, is there a type of MSP? Um, I think the beauty of the industry at the moment is there's so many different types um, that obviously we get approached by. Um, certainly we, we see the ones that um, are doing the the most or, or the best at the moment are the ones that are really focusing on the value add pieces um, and not trying to do a bit of everything. So um, maybe an MSP that delivers the, the VCIO and the account management and allows that day-to-day business as usual to be handled by someone like ourselves, um, gives them a much clearer uh, trail of thought and they only have to focus necessarily on one piece day to day. Um, but the beauty of the industry right now actually is is we get to speak to everyone and anyone. Um, and I think that really then starts to test how flexible you are and how agile you are as a business, which obviously in this current period is, is absolutely paramount um, and is possibly why we've had such great success so far this year, even um, with COVID, it's, it's allowed us to show that we are quite agile in where we can work and who we can work with. Um, but at the moment, definitely the, the value-add ones that are focusing on those tasks to demonstrate value, they're the ones that are really, really thriving at the moment. Yeah. And, and Brad, if I turn to you, we said, it, you know, I was asking you where we're calling from today and astute listeners will be like, oh, that's a couple of British accents that we've got there. <laughs> when a lot of uh, the companies that I speak to in this area tend to be uh, US based. So talk us through what Uptime Solutions look like in practicality. Where is your team based? And if anybody was working with you, what could they, what experience could they ex- um, expect? Okay. Um, the team is or has been predominantly based in in the UK. Uh, For many years, we were UK only um, and still during business hours remain UK only. That was was a big, it's a big focus of the business was we're uh, primarily our target audience has been UK based MSPs and it made sense to, to keep our teams on the ground where those, where those MSPs are. So we have a, a, a large portion of our team here in, uh, in Three Bridges um, so that we can, the collaboration that comes with with being together, I think, is something that's always worked very well with us. Obviously, had to change throughout the, the pandemic, and the team have cha- yeah, have adapted to that very, very well. Uh, but we do have engineers up and down the country. So one of our um, USPs, if you will, is that for our UK-based MSPs, we can deliver on-site services as well as part of our help desk uh, and project offerings as well. We can deliver that because we're based up and down the country. Uh, for our overnight, um, so from about 7 p.m. in the evening, changes depending on daylight savings, but from 7 till 7, uh, that's actually delivered from New Zealand. Um, next question to preempt that is probably why New Zealand? Everyone asks why New Zealand? Um, because it's literally on the other side of the world. So um, we found that in, a, in an industry that has such low unemployment level, finding good techs to work overnight in the U.K., is such a difficult task. You don't need to work antisocial hours in, in our industry um, if, if you're any good at what you do. So um, we we looked for somewhere where people were meant to be awake uh, and New Zealand was was the answer to that. You know, they're, they're obviously, uh, it's sunny there and it's dark over here. So, um, and they surprisingly have a, a good tech talent pool for, for a country of only 5 million. They're 
the tech talent pool has not been a problem for us. So um, that works really, really, really well in the in, in the two locations. Yeah. So tell me through, Jason, what's your role within the business? So our, our, <laughs> up until uh, the start or the end of last year, um, definitely it was uh, a bit of a hybrid. We're in a, the very fortunate position where we've seen wonderful growth and, and started to work with lots of great MSPs. So now I'm starting to focus purely on the, the sales, the account management piece. And um, the way I actually like to talk about it is, is how we interact with our partners and how we do make this truly a bi-directional partnership. A big passion of mine um, going way back, but, but more specifically now, is I don't think you have to sacrifice um, your partner level regardless of, of what you do in the industry. Um, whether you work on low margins, high margins, it doesn't matter. Um, they are choosing to work with you. And so from an account management perspective, let's deliver the absolute best because we want them to be partners for a long, long time. Um, everything we do is with the long term in mind. Um, so a lot of what I'm doing now is trying to obviously build out our, our partner reach and the people we get to work with. Um, but more importantly, delivering value to the ones we've got because there is so much more we can we can do, whether that's automation, whether that's AI, whether that's security, um, no matter what it is, there's, there's so much more to be done in this industry. Um, so I'm really focusing on those value add items as well as the, the new and uh, inquisitive partners that, that contact us. Yeah. So let me put you on the spot a little bit here. Um, for, for MSPs who have never considered NOC, SOC, outsourced help desk, anything like that, what could they expect if they were working with Uptime? And I mean, in practical solutions, do they, that's it, do they just hand it to you and say, great, just look after everything, give us a shout if there's any problems? You know, what does it look like, Jason, when you bring a new um, uh, MSP client on board? So the, the beauty of what we do is we focus on, obviously, the, the three areas mentioned, and we purely focus on those three areas. So um, the, the sort of finding in customers, none of that we necessarily um, need to get involved in. So we get to focus on delivering something um, really, really well so that you don't have to. So whether that is uh, maturity of processes, whether that is implementation of ISO certifications, whatever that is, um, by working with someone like ourselves, you tend to find you you gather a much more mature, established, and more capable um, help desk, knock sock, whatever it is it may be, than you could typically deliver in-house. So taking the out of hours um, that you mentioned as, a, as an example, for an MSP anywhere in the world to spin up an office the other side of the globe, it's an incredibly expensive um, move to make. So we've kind of made that move for you. <laughs> we've incurred that overhead so that MSPs don't have to. Um, so you could offer something like out of hours for a relatively low fee without needing to make that big plunge and that big investment. So um, really trying to remove the day-to-day -day activities, regardless of what one of the, the three options it is, um, with something like SOC, obviously security is so, so prominent, um, specifically since COVID started and remote working um, has been established more and more. Why not remove that, that one headache so that the other five bits you do, you can put another 20% worth of time into them. Um, trying, to, trying to become good at you know, a few things rather than um, okay at a lot is, is definitely where we come in. Um, obviously, we see outsourcing huge in the manufacturing sectors and other industries that are, are quite mature around the world. 
same concept. Let us deliver the one bit we do really, really well. So you don't have to worry about it. And then you focus on the bits that you do really, really well um, on a day to day. Got it. And I love that philosophy. So Brad, I'll turn to you. Um, I used to run a managed service provider business. So, and from a very technical perspective. So um, I hope you take it as a compliment when I say I'm speaking as one geek to another. Uh, <laughs> of course. I, um, to, to Jason's point, what I realized really early on was that um, I, as an MSP owner, needed to focus on the stuff that I was good at and let other people get on with, you know, outsource and delegate to other people who were at the stuff that they were really good at. What was your journey to uptime solutions like? Where did the business idea come from and, you know, how did it expand? Uh, so the the idea about being um, a, a white labelled provider for other MSPs was was very organic. So I I worked in an MSP uh, myself uh, as as a tech delivering projects and help desk and any every, anything and everything. I was the pre sales guy. I was, I was everything. So whilst that was a busy time, that did give me the ability to get an experience of of all the different areas of, of, of technical delivery. Um, and you know, learning from different people, learning how to do them well and and how not to. And uh, it was actually a management change in the MSP that I was working in at the time that meant that service delivery levels out, you know, outside of my control were dropping off in the MSP that I was in. And and so I did the very typical thing. I know a lot of MSPs start in this manner. I went, I think I can deliver a better, so yeah, better li- delivery of service here. And um, so I went out and founded Uptime Solutions. We actually founded as an MSP. So this was back in 2009. And um, for the first three years of our existence, we were you know, a very t- traditional MSP, tech-led MSP, trying to sell his wares. Um, and what we had actually done over those three years, picked up more telco companies and more MSPs as customers. Um, and so when we looked at things, we were like, why are these are these are our best customers why are they not using us more and the answer to that was the the industry is you can't have your cake and eat it i guess is what i'm getting at you can't be a channel provider and go direct and so we learned that very early on and we decided to channel through through channel partners really grow that side of the business and move that direct business back into our existing channel um so yeah they were obviously grateful for you know being um, you know, spoon-fed some some opportunities there. So, um, and that was Uptime Solutions, if you like, sort of born a second time. So we're sort of 2011, 2012. That that move happened, um, and we've been channel focused, channel only ever since. Uh, providing started off as help desk, and then we've added knock and sock as 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 time has gone on. Yeah, Jason, let's talk about the help desk. Uh, so we've we talked a little bit about NOC, that is behind the scenes. We've talked about SOC, that is security, and we'll delve into those a little bit more. But often I speak to MSPs and they say, you know, we're getting interrupted by telephone calls or we haven't got the resources or there's spikes in demands and, you know, it causes all sorts of chaos for us. So outsourced help desk, what does that look like in practicality and what type of MSPs have you had success um, uh, with outsourced help desk services? Sure. Um, so I think to, to talk about that, I have to quickly talk about how we structure the help desk um, because we're, we're I, I like to think that coming from the tech background that obviously Brad has, um, we sort of came at it from a tech first approach and doing tech really well. So um, 
our, the business from a help desk perspective is split out into pods. Um, pods, I guess, is a commonly used term, but for those that don't know, it's essentially a, a group of engineers or a team of engineers. And for us, that can be anywhere up to six um, techs. MSPs are, when they start um, or decide to start working with us, they are aligned to a pod that best suits the technology stack that they um, use or the technology stack their customers are using. Um, so we'll align them to those six guys. And what we're able to do with that is start to give them pictures, names, whatever it is they, they want to make it a personable service. But um, typically, that six guys are, are looking after um, you know, any sort of range of end, uh, end user, it could be five, it could be 500 if you like. Um, but the, the main point being, you don't lose the personal nature, of course, regardless of the size you get to. An MSP could engage with us in usually one of two ways. And um, one of them the, being the unlimited is your typical managed service uh, per device, per user cost. So um, I've got 10 users. I want to take a 10 times user cost. And for that, you look after everything tech for me. And I just focus on the account management piece. Um, maybe you do a bit of ECIO in there or some sort of value add on top. Or the other route, which we're seeing become increasingly popular, certainly at the moment um, with COVID in mind, is the, uh, the ticket block or the instance bundle. So um, what that allows you to do as an MSP is to have an overflow opportunity right. or have, um, you know, I know we're obviously recording this at the latter end of, of lockdown. At the start of lockdown, I'm sure you are familiar, Richard, but everyone's tickets skyrocketed for oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. two, three weeks. And for many, it was let's batten down the hatches and, and work silly hours to make sure we can deliver. For the MSPs that we worked with, um, that had the ticket blocks, they were fortunate enough that they they had that overflow and it became mine and Brad's problem to uh, make sure we were getting through the tickets. So um, it depends on the, the route the MSP takes, but um, the, the two models are essentially an overflow or um, an instance base that you can decide when to pass it to us or an unlimited remove the headache entirely and get out on the golf course five days a week. <laughs> I like it. So you're a, a salesperson, Jason. You've got sales uh, blood flowing through your veins here. So let me. I'm not going to admit that ever. <laughs> let me throw an objection at you that I know perhaps somebody listening to this, uh, you know, an IT consultant or an MSP owner, and they're saying, hmm, this sounds good. This sounds like the solution to many of the problems that I'm having. But, Jason, my clients would never accept it. So what do you say to, to MSPs who are saying, you know, they're making this assumption that clients wouldn't accept a, a different voice at the end of the telephone when they've got used to, to their local team? So you, because of your comment, now I'm trying to take my sales hat off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm biased. I'm, I'm, if you cut me in the middle, I'm, I'm up time and, uh, and I always will be. But um, I, I get people ask me this all the time is, is I'm a, maybe I'm a one man band and they know me, they trust me and they're not going to trust anyone else. I think proofs in the pudding. Um, we offer 30 day contracts to allow you to put it in, take it out. If, if they don't like it, um, put us in for 30 days alongside you. And when, when I show them just how good our techs are, which I'm, I'm extremely confident of, we won't need to have that discussion again because you would have seen that actually all the user cares about is how quickly is my issue going to be addressed. Um, it's 
it's a it's a weird world we live in in that you know perception does does lay on the they just want to speak to that person the the truth is they just want to get on with their work i i expect if it's anything like myself and you know my my old career even though i'm a still a young man in this industry is i just want whatever i've got an issue with to be fixed so that i can get on with it and then i don't have someone else asking me why is that not done yet Agreed. Absolutely. Good answer. And I put you on the spot a bit there, mate. So well, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, um, when I, you know, I mentioned I'm a fellow geek, when I used to run my MSP business, and of course, over time, I grew as a business owner, mm-hmm. I realized being a good technician wasn't enough. But we actually, uh, you know, and I'm going back sort of 10, 15 years now, we uh, were one of the first UK-based MSPs that outsourced. We used a company called uh, Zenith Infotech, who are no longer around, but we uh, outsourced our knock services to them. And we actually reached a point, Brad, where we um, we trusted the engineers so much there that if we had uh, a really meaty technical problem, we could have got free support from, say, somebody like Microsoft, but we would prefer to push the tickets to our engineers, to our outsourced engineers, just because they did such a good job. So I guess, Brad, you know, my question is from your perspective, how do you keep that quality of technical support really high so that people would prefer to push the tickets to you, you know, rather than go to, say, a vendor support team? We keep the uh, technical delivery high, uh, mostly due to onboarding, I think. I think onboarding is key. It's very easy to bring uh, techs on board. It's, you know, there are plenty of people out there that suffer from the, the recruiting problem that you know, MSPs suffer from. And we've worked very hard on, on that onboarding process. So with the, the first month of an engineer being with Uptime, they go nowhere near a, a live ticket, a live customer, a live anything. Wow. Um, with a, yeah, I don't, don't want to give away the, uh, the, the secret sauce, as, as it were, um, but that's that's how we're we're driving that high tech quality is by bringing on the right engineers, um, and you know, and, and avoiding the ones that aren't such quite high high quality. So we have a month beyond uh, the recruitment process, I guess, to, yeah. to to make sure that they're they're the right fit. Um, moving into the MSP space is is quite difficult, especially if you're coming from corporate. As a as a technician, that change of pace can mean that a, a very good technician just can't keep up with the pace and the context switching that we have as MSPs. Um, and I, I think that's, that's it's not the sole reason, but it's largely the reason that we are able to keep tech quality so high is just by um, sorting out that onboarding process. So but by the time your end users are dealing with our techs, they know that they know the system's inside out. Um, and we also work very um, closely on do you have do you have a personality? That's that's the number one thing that I look for in the recruitment process, uh, and the team look for is, can you get on the phone and, and have some chat? Now that's more surrounding the help desk side of things. Um, as as knock, the only people you're speaking to is is the MSP. But for me, it's just as important that you're building that relationship with with the MSP, um, and and beyond that, making sure that they have troubleshooting ability is what I. Is what I call it. You know, you can. It's, it's that natural, nat, being naturally inquisitive. I think, um, in in terms of how just how things work, not just tech, but how things in general. And then you can teach you can teach tech on top of that. But those two core qualities mean that yeah, we, we've got some some good guys here that MSPs enjoy working with. 
that absolutely makes sense. And what you said, a couple of things to pick up there. You know, my, my background was corporate IT. Uh, and I see so many MSPs who have perhaps got, um, uh, um, you know, a recently made redundant corporate engineer. And they say, hey, this guy is highly skilled. He's going to do great. And he jumps into the MSP world and absolutely freaks out because mm, yep. rather than looking after one client, you know, there's multiple clients there. So I totally, uh, totally get that. But also it's hugely impressive what you were saying. I know you mentioned the secret sauce a little bit, but, you know, really bedding those engineers in and getting them used to the team, um, you know, to, to maintain that uh, level of uh, quality. That's really cool. Jason, if I can turn to you. So Brad's talked a little bit about problems that MSPs have, not just uptime, but MSPs have recruiting staff. So if I can turn to you, a question I know is going to be on a lot of people's mind is, okay, this sounds great. What about the cost? And specifically, should I, is this comparable to going and recruiting an engineer? Am I going to pay the similar sort of money? Or should I be looking at doing a hybrid model? How do you answer those questions for people who are perhaps looking to recruit engineers? So if it's okay, um, I, I'm going to answer it in a slightly different way, um, which is it, it all sounds, it's one of those age old sounds too good to be true. Um, I suspect if, if any MSP was listening and, and that's typically, you know, the type of conversations that um, we tend to have as a, a team. Um, so let me reassure people, we, we have issues and our issues are we are not in front of the amount of MSPs that we could be in front of um, because we're so good at tech that, historically myself and brad aren't too good at sales <laughs> um so so there's a there's a complementing um service there is is the goal and um our issues are just not technical issues which is the the beauty of it and why it works so well for for msps that are um thinking or looking absolutely we're comparable is is the first piece um the the beauty of people that may be hearing about us for the first time is we've already been and been there and done that for the last nine, 10 years. Um, we did not, if you like, explode on the scene. We took a quite a long time to, to build up maturity and processes and understanding the market before we ever actually started to really make any proactive sales efforts. Um, so the, the beauty is, yes, um, you may be hearing us for the first time, but we've actually been around for quite a long time, um, maybe even longer than the, the MSP phrase itself. Who knows? Um, so yes, um, we are comparable. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of great outsourcing companies out there and we're absolutely comparable and, um, exactly where you expect, um, us to fit. We, we are what I would class a slightly premium service. Um, but maybe not necessarily about with the price tag that comes with it. Um, it, it all comes down to, and it's a, it's an age old sales item, but, um, it all comes down to what, what we can do together. And um, for 30 day contracts, we can't be as competitive as, as say a 12 month contract. Um, and it's the normal sort of commercial discussions, but the, the joy is that we're built to be agile and flexible. So um, we can look at you and your estate and what you want to move and then start to work that out from there. It's not a price book. This is the price. You know, take it or leave it scenario is, is let's have a discussion and work out why that doesn't work. Um, to see if we can help you. The beauty of the business is we get to see so many wonderful MSPs and what they're doing that does work, what it doesn't work. Um, so if we can help you just to drive more value so you can increase that price, great. But I think the most important thing is to have a conversation and not just have a price book that you uh, you swing from each day. 
Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And you, you say you're not a sales machine, uh, the both of you, but I think you're doing an incredible job of uh, certainly selling to me and to to listeners today. <laughs> you know, because you, you're very personable. You're clearly very very focused on making sure that people come on board and join you in the right way. In uh, you know, not just uh, uh, clients but staff and everything else as well. So uh, keep doing what you're doing at the moment because I think that quality sort of uh, uh, shines through. Um, Brad, if I can turn to you. Um, uh, one of the biggest challenges that I see with MSPs who are outsourcing any type of service is that they want, for for want of a better way of putting it, they abdicate responsibility for this. So they literally just go, yeah, there you go. Um, uh, we've now got an outsourcing partner on board for Knox, SOC, Helpdesk, whatever. Just get on with it. <laughs> and I see things go wrong. Things go badly wrong at that point. How do you help your MSP partners understand that that you're a part of their team effectively, that you're a partner to work with rather than just a supply service to pick up and drop down? A lot of that comes from the onboarding. So our, our onboarding process is a month long. Um, which, and a lot of that process is working out how, how we work together. Every MSP wants something slightly different um, and we've we've developed ways to fit that into a standardized process. So, but but keeping some of those things that they want to be done in in their way. You know, every MSP has built their own unique style, and and that's what their customers have have come to enjoy. Um, in terms of hand, handing off to us and and sort of passing responsibility, I think that's where we might differ. Well, I know that's where we differ uh, to some of our competition uh, because they are much larger organizations it, everything you know it hits a wider team it's 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 got to be very standard um, whereas we're able to take on a little bit more of that responsibility because of the pod model so you genuinely get to know your pod uh, yeah. and the pod get to know you your customers their networks um, every network has its quirks you know and the pods the pods get to know that and that that allows us to take on uh, more responsibility, uh, and I, I address that, and in terms of the number of tickets that we pass back, so we we pass back very few tickets. The tickets that go back to our partners, when we're looking at unlimited model type scenarios, so they have literally taken the service that allows them to go. You look after those now. Um, the the tickets that we're passing back are, hey, this bit of hardware might not be fit for purpose anymore, and and stuff like that, where actually it's it's bordering on being account management. Yes. Um, and or it's it's additional revenue. You know, we 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 work very hard with the teams to identify revenue opportunities, not so that they can discuss that with with the end customer. Absolutely not. Um, but so that they can go, hey, Mr. Partner, um, you might want to look at this because this has come up a couple of times recently, um, and and we think there's a revenue opportunity here. And it just allows those partners to not lose. Whilst they are able to go, help desk is you now. They still don't lose the con the connection with the help desk. That's that's really important to me. Is it's got to be that connected service. Yeah. Um, and so while we're happy to absolutely take responsibility of the network and the uptime and and those tech elements, we need buy-in from from the partner from that account management perspective. Um, and I think that's that's where we gel with with the partner is they've still got to get involved when maybe the end customer is being a little bit unreasonable. We've all we've all experienced that. Um, and that's what the account managers are there to do to to sort of ease that along um and, and get us through those those pieces yeah um so i think that answers that 
that makes absolute sense. I'm getting a, a, a real picture here of almost, it's, I'm not going to say a bespoke service, but you really customize what you do to, uh, you know, to work with the MSPs that you do. From a technology perspective, Brad, there's going to be a lot of MSPs who are listening today and they've already built up their own solution stack. So they might use, say, Autotask or ConnectWise or Atera, and they've got RMM tools in there as well and, and different things. Um, one of the challenges that I've seen about outsourcing in the past is that lots of outsourcing companies almost force the MSP to rip out what they've got and say, right, use our system when you're working with us. What does it look like for you? How, how much customization can you offer in terms of the different packages that people are using? Uh, so in t- let's look at PSA and then we'll look at RMM. It's probably the easiest way to do that. Um, so we have built uh, an API middleware to allow us to sync from a range of of different PSA tooling. Um, The idea being that as an MSP, you want to keep all the good information that you're reporting from, all of that sort of stuff. You want to keep that in your PSA. Uh, Also, going back to what Jason said earlier about um, the 30-day contracts, we, we like setting things up so that you don't stay with us because you feel forced to because it's really difficult to move off. You stay with us because of the service that we're delivering. Um, And so... The, the API middleware allows us to do that. So uh, to get technical, I guess, for a second, um, it's it's basically a bi-directional sync. So tickets continue to come into your PSA, sync all the good stuff across to us. So basically everything that we need to be able to work the ticket. Um, our teams then work in our PSA. So we're we're an auto task house. We're you know we're I, I still say auto task if you cut me in half. I don't say Datto quite yet, but um, we're getting there. Um, and our techs will add internal notes, they'll add time, they'll change statuses, priorities, all of that sort of good stuff in our PSA. And then there's a bi-directional sync that goes back to, to our partner's PSA, whatever flavor that, that may be. And as I said, our, our roadmap for that is pretty aggressive at the moment to bolt on new new PSAs. There's a few new players that have entered into the market fairly recently that are taking the world by storm. So we're making sure that our developers are um, keep, keeping on top of those, adding new PSAs into our middleware yeah. all the time. So uh, RMM is much easier. Um, as long as you can get the, the alerts into your PSA, they'll sync across, of course. So that's nice and easy. Um, and we're well versed in a range of RMMs. Um, there tends not to be a license cost for additional agents in, in on the RMM side. So you set your pod up with their individual logins to, to your RMM, and that's where they do a lot of the knock work. So a lot of the knock stuff is coming from um, the, the supported range of RMMs that we have. If you find yourself using an RMM that you know, we've, we've not worked with and that sort of stuff, then we can still put our data agents on in order to uh, make use of, of, I guess, the IP that we've created. We spend a lot of time building out PowerShell scripting, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure that we're addressing alerts. Uh, we share a lot of that with the partner base, get that into their RMM um, to make sure that we're quite consistent in terms of what we what we do. So if you come online with your RMM, we give that a sanity check as part of the onboarding just to make sure that you, you're going to create the right alerts for us and, and mean that we can deliver the service that, that we want to be delivering. Yeah. The question around security, obviously, uh, MSPs are under attack at the moment. MSPs are the gatekeepers to lots of client sites. And so cyber criminals are targeting uh, them. You've got a similar challenge here, haven't you, Brad, in that, you know, uh, if MSPs are the gatekeepers to client sites, 
you are coming into their business and you've got access to a lot of information. And perhaps some MSPs might be concerned that, you know, their client base or something else might slip across, you know, what do you, uh, to a competitor, what do you do to reassure uh, clients that, yeah, you're a, a part of the team, you treat security with the highest regard? What does that look like? Uh, so from a, um, what bits of paper have we got, I guess, um, ISO 27001 um, was put in place for for that to, to allow us to demonstrate um, that we take security very seriously. It's baked into all of our internal processes. Um, we did that because it's very easy to say that you look after security, but it's a completely different thing to, to go and demonstrate it. Um, and we are, as a business, we look very much like an MSP, as, as, as you said. Um, we, ha- we have techs that are dealing with customers on behalf of other MSPs. So we, we face a lot of the same challenges. So I think a lot of the mitigation steps that that we have will, will be the same. And we're constantly reviewing that. So be that sending out SMS pushes to, to make sure that an end user is who they say they are. Um, we're, we're constantly reviewing that and putting that in. Um, we discuss and get feedback from our MSP partners on a regular basis. Um, as with most things security, it's, a, it's another roadblock for the end user to get whatever they're looking for, be that 2FA, et cetera. Whilst they're completely necessary, users don't like them. So, so that feedback from the MSP partner is really important is, hey, we've got this new security feature, but it's just, if it's just going to be unusable for the end user and, the, and the, you know, across the partner base, they're not going to be able to use it, then we can't implement it. Uh, quite often we'll look at, can we implement this for the MSPs that want to take it on? So, and it just puts the MSP in charge of their own destiny, really. If, if, if we've got the ability to send SMS push and you don't want it, um, then we'll, we'll sign the waiver that says you didn't, you didn't want it. So, um, and it fits some people, it doesn't fit others. Um, yeah. But yeah, constantly reviewing uh, as, you, as you have to with, with security. Absolutely. Jason, if I, if I turn to you, when I ran the, my MSP business, we were um, cautious when we were outsourcing because we actually thought we're not ready for this. We haven't got the processes internally. We haven't got the documentation. We're just not mature enough to outsource. What we actually found was by outsourcing, it forced us to up our level of maturity significantly and become more organized, put the documentation in place and so on and so forth. The conversations that you're having with the MSPs, do you ever come across MSPs who say that we'd love to take your services, but we wouldn't know where to start? We're just not ready. And how do you address that sort of objection? So I guess that the first thing, not to necessarily pick you up on a previous point, I'm a tech Although I, I may sound and speak like a sales guy, I think that that drives from passion is is uh, for myself and Brad uptime is is everything we pretty much know in our professional careers. Uh, the rest is a distant memory, um, and so uh, pretty much the majority of business is tech first, including myself and. Um, you heard it here first, folks. I've uh, offended Jason Kemsley. No, like, really like have. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely. I um, so, but but that's really important because um, even from a sales, I, I look after sales. I, I I head that piece up, but even from a sales piece, I've got a bit of tech in mind. Yeah, and so we can't sell a service if we can't deliver it well and hold the partner's hand on that. So whether that is a sock and they need to know how it's positioned or how it's best positioned in it, whether it's uh, jumping into a bit of tech and understanding why it's good, all of it comes with, with tech in mind. And it comes back to that 
Um, and I don't want to offend any any vendors that exist, but I don't think enough vendors take the partner status seriously enough. Agreed, um, yeah. Using the word partner is a, is a bold statement. And so I think myself and Brad have had many drinks over and discussed in the past. To For us to use the word partner really does mean a bi-directional relationship. That means not you just pass business because that, that doesn't work. We need to give something back and help you and be proactive. So um, account management is is something that we take very seriously and included in that is building that roadmap with you. Well, what does it look like? What do you want to look like in a year? Um, where do you want to go so that we can help you? Or it could be pre-sales. If you're working on a contract and um, it's something that you're looking to bring over to us, let's grab one of our techs and, and do some pre-sales and have a look at how it best fits and let us use our knowledge. Um, so the, the bi-directional piece is, is sort of at the core of everything we do is it's no good delivering good tech if you can't demonstrate that value which is the one of the biggest um, things for MSPs in, in the current scenario is, is demonstrating that value so that people don't think I can stop that service or what would happen if I, if I got rid. So um, yet for us, it's that, that having a conversation, having resources you can call upon effectively, I'm saying you don't need to worry about help desks. So I can't then turn my back when you're trying to sell help desk um, I need to give you everything you possibly need to ensure that you are positioning it right. You're demonstrating the most value and you can talk about it really effectively. Yeah, makes absolute sense. Brad, managing director, uh, what keeps you up at night about running the uptime business? What, you know, where do you want this business to go and what are the challenges, the hurdles that you want to overcome to make things even better? Uh, so I think the answer... So that is, uh, it's difficult at the moment. What keeps me up at night at the moment is a, is a four week old baby. Um, so I get a lot of this time. So I'm not sure whether it's keeping me up at night or whether I'm just thinking about it because I'm up at night. Oh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, go, I, I think broadening our, our scope in terms of where we deliver service. I think that's what my vision for the, for the business is. Um, more, more automation, geeky stuff is what I'm going to list here because I'm, I'm a tech, right? So, um, I, Automation, I have seen having conversations with MSPs as it's certainly something that developers love and are ready to get involved with, but but more traditional techs like, like myself, I come from a storage and virtualization background. It's 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 a new world. Um, machine learning, AI, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, is um, definitely a space that we need. We are pushing quite heavily into. Um, but I think MSPs that are like me, um, in terms of their their beginnings, it it's actually a it's a foreign land. Is uh, so how how we utilise machine learning more to deliver a better better level of service? Now, certainly for me, machine learning is not a way to drive down costs. That that's a that's a byproduct. It should be a way to deliver better customer service. So whether it's on the front end or it's on the on the back end of things, and we're looking at at both at the moment as how we drive more value to, to our MSPs. But it's certainly not about, you know, less less bums on seats and, and all of that sort of stuff. That's that's not a driver for us. And I don't think it should be a driver for any MSP because then it very quickly becomes a race to the bottom. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest one for the moment is that uh, where, where do we go next in terms of scope? The US, we're, we have some presence in the US, but it's, it's not a physical presence at the moment. We just have a few partners over there um, with 
our, our broadening sort of reach in terms of becoming known. Yeah. Um, so you're working with US MSPs at the moment, are you? On a, on a smaller scale? Yeah, on, on a smaller scale, we've got we've got some US partners um, that have seen us through recent marketing events. Um, APAC. Uh, with our New Zealand office, uh, New Zealand office is only a year, year, year and a half old now. Um, so APAC is a, is a region that we're we're moving into and, and are well placed from a time zone perspective to to deliver to as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, growth, growth and AI. <laughs> yeah, and the AI piece is especially interesting. And I share your view. It's not all about uh, hammering down the costs. It's about doing more you know mm. being able to deliver more which should free the human beings time up to do more interesting stuff and more more valuable stuff um jason i'll turn to you we've had conversations offline before you're a bit of a, a student of business a student of the game um is there any uh, uh books or influences that you you might uh, sort of cite as uh, helping drive you over the past 12 24 months um i think we're in a uh, an industry that's got wonderful resources um and you just need to do a couple of searches and you'll find the right ones um without necessarily turning this too much i think you're one of those um uh you what you speak about is so um seen as so obvious but something people aren't doing quite often um so it's, it's, you're definitely someone that i keep an eye on um mark copeman um, is is an author of a couple of books and has done some really good stuff that aligns so well with our customer centric nature. Um, sort of to to answer a question you didn't ask, but to uh, keep it all together, Brad is obviously looking at the scope. I'm thinking, how do we still do that really well, even as we expand? Obviously, so books such as um, Mark Copeman's books are, are fundamental to My desk habits. Is absolutely fundamental. I think that should be made. Uh, essential for any new uh, engineer coming on board to an MSP or any type of company like that. Absolutely, I think there, there's so many resources that that finding the right ones is sometimes difficult. But places like the Tech Tribe, places like the Helpless Habits book, um, they're they're key things. The the one thing I think that we're all guilty of as as MSPs, master MSPs, outsourcing, whatever you want to call it, is stepping back and looking at everything through your customers' eyes. Mm. Um, what does onboarding look like to them? What does picking up the phone look like to them? Um, I'm really just trying to ensure that everything we do, um, my goal is to, whether we're 100 partners or 100,000, be able to stand with you at a conference and have a beer and know that we're, we're heading in the right direction together. Bless. And, and thank you for the kind words as well. Appreciate it. But yeah, Help Desk Habits by Mark Copeman. Brilliant book uh, uh, to check out. Gents, I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this. It's been one of the most laid back uh, <laughs> conversations. And I know people listening to this as well would just hear the passion that you've got for it, that you're from an MSP background. You know, I just wish you absolutely the best of luck because if anybody's going to make it, you are with your uh, attitudes towards things. So for anybody who does want to reach out to you and continue the conversation, maybe explore whether you're a good fit or not. Uh, Jason, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Because you are the salesperson and I'm going to be... <laughs> <laughs> you, you can contact the tech sales department. <laughs> no, um, uh, best place is, is usually pick up the phone, love to have a chat because no, no two MSPs are the same. Um, uptimesolutions.tech or .co.uk is, is the best way. Um, or you can pop us an email, partners at uptimesolutions.tech again or .co.uk. Um, we'd love to speak to you, even if you want to speak to me personally or, or one of the team, doesn't matter. 
we'd like to have a chat with you regardless of, of what your long-term plan is. Fantastic. Uh, Brad, Jason, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. I know I'm going to put you on notice here because I know the, uh, I know my listeners and I know there's going to be a ton of questions coming out of this. So if you're up for it, I'd like to invite you back. We'll do another episode in the very near future to answer what is bound to be a ton of questions coming out of this one. But for now today, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Brad, good to see you. Jason, you. see you. Keep on doing your sales thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Good to see you too. Cheers, both. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. 